off and the clock has started. Here we go. Welcome back to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. I'm Graham, your announcer. It's great to be back and talking to you again. It would have been nice if Doug would have told me we were going to be gone for six weeks. A bit rude if I don't say so myself. Regardless, we're back with season two. And now, here's Doug. <laughs> I'm back! <laughs> Did you miss me? <laughs> I missed you guys. Uh, how are all of you? Huh? I'm, I'm good, thanks for asking. You know, we got over all that COVID nonsense uh, a few weeks ago, so that's out of the way. Thank you very much. I hope you guys are all safe. Let's see, did uh, anything happen while I was gone? You know, you can let me know. Did anybody go on vacation? I didn't. Uh, well, I did go to Sam's Club a couple of times. Let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. As you may recall, at the end of episode 100, I asked uh, you all to take a survey to help me figure out what season two would look like. And boy, did you guys respond. I want to thank the uh, tens of you who took the survey. <laughs> I was expecting a couple more, but, you know, I'll take what I can get. Um, so what did you all think about this podcast? Well, the first question was about the length of the show, and 92% of you felt it was just right, and 8% thought it should be longer. <laughs> what kind of sadistic freaks are you? <laughs> longer? 94% of you thought the recording quality was excellent, while 6% thought it was sometimes it was just too low, or sometimes it was too loud. <laughs> I say, you know, you've got a volume control on your listening device. 17% of you want me to lose the old-time commercials. <laughs> But 75% love them. And 8% of you don't care. <laughs> so based on that, the commercials stay. And if you don't like them, you can always just turn your sound down for 35 or 40 seconds. I'm just, just trying to help you out there. Um, I'm thinking about adding a short, stupid news from around the world segment. 83% um, of you like the idea. 17% said this could be a really bad idea. Time will tell. <laughs> well, time will tell because listen to the end of this show. <laughs> <laughs> opinions were um, split on whether or not I should uh, include some trivia questions. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'll think about that one for a little while. And let's see, 88% of you said you'd be okay if I moved the frequency to every other week. And 7% of you were brutally honest and said, if it goes to once a month, well, you're out. <laughs> Ouch. And lastly, 100% of you said that you would consider donating to support this podcast. And for that, I'm deeply touched. And I'm going to get into that at the end of the show. Okay. Uh, where else do we leave off? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Iceland. Now, for longtime listeners, uh, you know what's up with Iceland. But if you're new to the show, well, in season one, I had this ridiculous challenge of getting at least one download of this podcast from every U.S. state. It was kind of challenging, especially since I didn't do any marketing <laughs> until I hired a director of states and territory acquisitions, and her name is Catherine. Uh, okay, I didn't really hire anyone, but Catherine, she stepped up. She volunteered to go after the last few remaining states I needed to reach that goal, and man, did she go to work. <laughs> and this show finally reached the incredibly useless statistic of at least one download from every U.S. state. Then I moved my attention to the international lands. In episode 100, I mentioned that this show has been downloaded in 74 different countries. But of those 74 countries, guess which one isn't there? That's right, Iceland. 
Now, apparently their 20 minutes is way more valuable than your 20 minutes. I don't know what's up with Iceland, but once again, director of STA, Catherine, is on the case. This is the latest report I have from Catherine. Quote, I'll keep trying to get Iceland. I thought I had an in the summer, but I don't think they followed through. I'll keep telling folks to download your show no matter what happens. <laughs> Thank you, Catherine. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll be so happy if I get Iceland. And I heard from another regular during the break, a Tony from Chile. Uh, he offered up this joke. This is Tony's joke, okay? I'm thinking of starting a podcast where we talk about carpentry and smoking weed. It would be all about joints. <laughs> Tony from Chile, everyone. And if you have a joke, you know, feel free to send it to me. I'm not saying I will use it in the show, but you know, I like a good joke. All right, I think we're all caught up from the past six weeks. So what do you say? Let's get on with the first topic of season two. I am fairly certain that I am the only person on the face of planet Earth that doesn't like Starbucks. Oh, my <laughs> Calm down. Now, absolutely no offense to those of you who do. All 32 billion of you. It's just not for me. And, you know, it doesn't help that I don't like coffee either. But my executive producer does. So, therefore, I have been into a great number of Starbucks. <laughs> I challenged her one time. Um, when, when they asked for her name, I wanted her to say X, just X. <laughs> she did. <laughs> and they wrote X on the cup. And when they finished making her coffee, they called out X. <laughs> I lost that bet. <laughs> but this rant is not about Starbucks. No, and it's even not particularly about coffee per se. If I were ever to take up drinking coffee, which I, I won't, but if I did, I would go into a Starbucks and hopefully the barista would be, oh, 17 or 18 years old and I would order a cup of Joe. <laughs> I, I dream of the look on the born after 2000 barista's face. I don't know, maybe the Starbucks educational department trains coffee slingers to know what a cup of joe is. So let's dig into this if you don't mind. Perhaps you've never heard the term like that 17-year-old barista. Perhaps you have heard the term, but don't know the origin. Or perhaps you might just find out. <laughs> I'll start here. But first, where would this podcast be without controversy or competing explanations? Cup of joe is no different. Coffee making in all of its forms is steeped in tradition. You see what I did there? Steep? Wait a minute. Do you, do you steep coffee or is that tea? Did I just embarrass myself? And this is why I don't drink coffee. I don't know if it's steeped. Or, wait a minute. It's brewed. Coffee is brewed. That's it. <laughs> all right. We're back on track now. Anyway, a lot of people feel coffee connects us either at home or the office or at Starbucks. According to survey data collected between July 2020 and June of 2021, in the United States, coffee is the most popular drink. The Americas were introduced to coffee in the 18th century, though coffee really didn't catch on until that whole Boston Tea Party thing. When the colonies, in support of the American Revolution, boycotted tea and needed some other caffeine boost. I'm, just, I'm assuming Coke Zero wasn't around then. Well, with this long and historical infatuation with coffee, where did the term a cup of joe come from? Biography author, and I don't know who he's biographing. <laughs> anyway, biography author Lee Craig claims that a strict Navy secretary during World War I named 
Josephus Daniels, well, he is responsible for the saying today. The story goes that in 1914, Josephus Daniels wanted to tighten up his ship, so to speak, and he outlawed indulgence of alcohol on Navy bases. This was close to the start of World War I, and a lot of uh, young men found themselves aboard a ship where the strongest drink available was coffee. Now, in this version of the story, the new rule did not go over well with the troops, and they allegedly began referring to coffee as a cup of Josephus Daniels. Eventually, it was shortened to a cup of Joe. Referring to a cup of Joe would be one way to voice their dissent and disapproval without directly criticizing the Secretary of the Navy. Well, you know, that certainly sounds plausible, but wait, don't buy into the story too quickly. Those who argue against this theory often point out that this ban would have had little practical impact because alcohol wasn't widely available on U.S. Navy ships at the time. Spirits had been effectively banned from most of the military members in the 1860s. This theory also doesn't account for the 20-year gap between Daniel's ban and the rise of the term Cup of Joe in the 1930s. Moreover, as World War I raged on, coffee became an absolute necessity for the sleep-deprived and exhausted troops. To resolve that, the U.S. military became so reliant on coffee that the War Department went as far as to actually build local roasting and grinding plants in France to supply the troops with the stuff. Coffee historian Mark Pendergrass suggests that the beloved term a cup of joe does originate in the military, but not thanks to Josephus Daniels. Oh, the suspense is building. When we come back, we're going to find out how the military theory played out, plus a couple more theories. And while you listen to this, I'm going to go pour me a cup of zero, as in Coke Zero, (laughs) because, you know, I don't like Joe. I'll be right back. Every day I wake up, pour myself a cup of that rich Folgers aroma. All the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. And it's a who up ship up for me. All the best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. The best part of waking up is Folgers in your cup. And that was Rockapella for uh, Folgers Coffee. Are you old enough to remember Rockapella? <laughs> they did the uh, theme song for Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. <laughs> Anybody? Any crickets? All right, let's get back to it. So, if a cup of Joe didn't come from throwing some shade on Josephus Daniels, how did it tie to the military? Well, American soldiers were already loving coffee and oftentimes reliant on coffee during World War II. Seems the G.I. Joes just could not get enough of the stuff. And the cup of coffee was quickly attached to the military G.I. Joes. I think you see where this is going. And since coffee was their favorite hot beverage, well, the Joe just got attached and the soldiers would simply ask for a cup of Joe. However, there are some other theories. We turn to the linguists, you know, those uh, fancy people who like talking about languages. They sometimes argue that a likely theory is that Cup of Joe could be a shortened version of Jamoke. Now, Jamoke was a common nickname for coffee in the 1930s, and it was a combination of mocha and java. According to linguist Michael Quinian, Americans may have turned Jamoke into Joe, giving us a Cup of Joe today. (laughs) But wait, there's more. 
The term Joe also refers to an average man or the average Joe. Another theory says a cup of Joe is therefore a way of saying the common man's drink. There is nothing fancy about a cup of black coffee, and the term may have been kept alive by Joes or average guys following World War II. As diners popped up in the 1940s and 1950s, working men who ate their daily breakfast at these restaurants might have been served a cup of Joe. Now, no one knows really for sure which of these theories is true about the account. Oh my God. All we know for sure is that the first recorded occurrences of Cup of Joe came from the 1930s. And the nickname is here to stay, unless you were born in a year that starts with a two. So there you go. The next time you go into a Starbucks, ask for a cup of Joe. <laughs> if you have to have one of those fancy coffee drinks, then ask for something like a Mocha Frappo Chino Capo Joe and, and just see what happens. <laughs> As we head into uh, the last half of our 20 minutes here, I said I may include some news from around the world and here in the U.S., in addition to that, Graham said he wanted a bigger part in the show, so we're going to give this a tryout, all right? Here's Graham. It's time for news from around the world. Chinese state media say a man has been found safe after he spent two days aloft in a hydrogen balloon, traveling about 320 kilometers, or 200 miles for you people in the States. Seems the balloon became untethered and flew away while he was using it to harvest pine nuts from a tree. The man was in a forest park in northeastern China when he lost control and the balloon sailed off. Rescuers were able to contact the man by cell phone the following morning but it was two days before he reached the ground close to the border with Russia. Don't worry, the man is fine. Excellent job, Graham. Thank you very much. That wasn't too bad, was it? <laughs> I guess my executive producer will tell me. This next story comes from Maddock, North Dakota. A woman walked into a North Dakota bar carrying a raccoon. <laughs> That's just a horrible opening. Hey, want to see my raccoon? <laughs> Bartender Cindy Smith said she was serving drinks at the Maddox Bar when a local resident brought in the raccoon during happy hour. <laughs> when else wouldn't you bring a raccoon in? Happy, <laughs> happy hour. Smith said she asked the woman to leave, but instead she took the raccoon around the bar and showed it to other customers. The woman eventually departed after about five minutes. While the North Dakota's Health and Human Services Department issued an alert asking anyone who had been bitten or had contact with a raccoon's saliva to seek medical care. Hmm, I'll have a crown royal and raccoon saliva on the rocks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and and uh, the last bit of news I have comes from Scotland. A protected red squirrel that shut down a Scottish bakery for three days was finally captured safely and relocated to a natural habitat. The Greg's Bakery in Pitlockery was closed Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday of this week after a red squirrel was found to have taken up residence inside the building. Initial attempts to safely capture the red squirrel, which happens to be a protected species in Scotland, well, they were unsuccessful. But the bakery confirmed on Twitter on Wednesday that the animal had been ensnared in a humane trap. The offending squirrel was released into the Fascali Wood on the banks of the Loch Dunmore. The Pitlockery shop says it is now closed for deep clean and will open later this week, squirrel-free. 
And that's your news for this week. Well, I think that went fairly well. <laughs> but we'll see when my executive producer listens to the show if I get a thumbs up or thumbs down. She had no idea what, what I was going to do. So we'll see if you actually do hear what I just recorded. All right. Now, the last topic is the donation question I mentioned earlier. Now, some of you said you would donate to help support this show. But the small problem I had was I didn't really know how to do that donation thingy. You know, but everybody kept saying, you need to get donations. You need to get some support to help you finance this. Well, it's not just in me to ask you all for a donation for something as stupid as this podcast. Donating to cure a disease? Absolutely. Donating to help support this show? Eh. (laughs) My podcasting host suggested I use the Buy Me a Coffee site. So I took a look and blah, blah, blah. I set up a donation page. Now, I am really, and I can't say this enough, uncomfortable even telling you about what it is because, well, again, it is just not in me to ask for any kind of donation to help the show. But if it generates a couple of bucks to help offset uh, the hosting costs, well, then I guess it's okay. The website is buymeacoffee.com. All one word, buymeacoffee.com forward slash 20 minutes, two zero minutes. That's, that's where you need to go. If you, if you're even thinking about this, buymeacoffee.com forward slash 20 minutes there. I said it. If you're interested, you can take a look at the site. It's really barren. The lowest amount anybody can donate is $5 and it's not a subscription. Okay. If I could have made it a $1 donation, I would have, but remember you are under absolutely no obligation to do anything. I am not begging for money. If you don't want to donate anything, that's fine with me. You can you can still listen. It's okay. But the uh, the donation site again is buymeacoffee.com slash 20 minutes. There. Wow. That was really awkward. And I apologize, but I answered the question. And there's the music. Yeah, it is uh, great to be back. And I have adjusted the frequency of this show to every other week on the 1st and the 15th of every month. So go ahead, mark your calendars right now. I'll wait. I might suggest you follow this nonsense on the Instagram thing at 20MYNGB. That's 20MYNGB, and that stands for 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. That way you'll know when a new episode is up. I mean, you wouldn't want to miss out on one, would you? How would you ever know if we finally got Iceland to listen in, okay? And uh, you know what? That's it. I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for coming back, if you did. (laughs) And I will talk to you again in a couple of weeks on October 15th. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye. Hi, it's me again, Doug. I want to take up a couple more seconds of your time just to remind you, if you want to stay informed of when uh, the next podcast is posted, all you need to do is sign up at uh, on that Instagram machine. It's at uh, 20MYNGB, 20MYNGB, and that means 20 minutes you'll never get back. Uh, if you sign up there, you'll uh, always see when the next podcast is uploaded. And if you want to leave some comments, by all means, please do go to the uh, website at 20minutespodcast.com. So it's 20minutespodcast.com. And uh, you can uh, 
leave your comments there. It also tells you how you can be an announcer for the show. So take take a look at those two things if you'd like and stay informed. And I'll, as always, thank you very much for listening to uh, 20 Minutes You'll Never Get Back. Bye-bye.